Episode 2. March 13th, 1997. Lights of varying descriptions were seen by hundreds of people in the skies over the US states of Arizona and Nevada and the Mexican state of Sonora. There were two distinct events between 19.30 hours and 22.30 hours in a space of about 300 miles, that's 480 kilometres, from the Nevada line through Phoenix to the edge of Tucson, Arizona. A triangular formation of lights was seen to pass over the states and a series of stationary lights seen in the Phoenix area. The lights were reported to have reappeared in 2007 and again in 2008. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? So hello, listeners. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm Stu. And I'm Neil. And we're going to be talking today uh, about the Phoenix Lights uh, incident, which is, well, incidents. There were actually three occasions of this, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, so the first one we know was March the 13th, 1997, uh, and that was a big event. But it was actually duplicated again, or, or repeated if you like, on in 2007. Uh, in February, and again in 2008. Now, I think the first one we should talk about, just to get it out of the way, okay. is the 2008 occurrence. Um, because this one was very quickly, de- well, 2007 was, was very quickly decried. Mm. Um, but 2008... Um, was instantly somebody came forward and said oh yeah my neighbor's been letting off um helium filled balloons and that's what it is and mm, with, and with road flares came attached, forward and yeah. admitted it uh it was corroborated by a police helicopter that they'd seen these helium balloons with LED. so with flares even, yeah. even though i'm the one arguing yeah 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 it's all real um i'm gonna say the 2008 no i i mm. don't think for one moment um neil is there anything you want to say about 2008 that contradicts what i'm suggesting no there, there doesn't seem to be much to it apart from yeah the, the the guy with the helium balloons with flares attached 
who was maybe trying to recreate the event or, or mm. yeah so I mean the other two events kind of get mangled up between the 1997 and the 2007 um, event they so. they can do a little bit um, but yeah I mean and, and this is one of the one of the problems that um, ufologists and mm. and people who study these things have is you do get well, basically pillocks going out and creating these fake events yeah um, and that can muddy the waters I mean we, we mentioned a little bit in in last episode uh, about Doug and Dave who uh, claimed to have done all the crop circles which yeah. is laughable in of itself mm. um, but of course again the media just fixes oh see see that one has a natural explanation so therefore yeah. they all must have which mm. I, don't, I don't know I don't I don't buy into so I think people who do these things do far more harm than good and Stop and it. and we do have we do have a lazy news media who are after who are chasing ratings and they just want a story and whatever looks good on the front page you know they they they, they will skirt around any details that kind of disarm the story so um well that's that's an interesting perspective so two things that one they want a good story now instantly i would say if these things are genuinely otherworldly let's, mm. let's say um then that i would say is the biggest story of all yes so it, it kind of t to look for a an excuse flies in the face of that i would say mm. um but but you also say and quite rightly so they can be quite lazy about it yeah. um an investigative journalism well I don't know if it's laziness or the fact that any serious investigation done by journalists tends to get ridiculed quite quickly. Yeah, but also, I mean, making big headlines out of hoaxes doesn't necessarily stop them making big headlines out of the events. They say, look, UFOs have been seen, big story. And then a few nights later, oh, someone's come forward and claimed that they, they faked it and this is how they did it. Big story. And then a, few, a, you know, a year or so later, someone says, oh, well, no, they, we've, we've proved that they didn't do it. Big story again. So it's back to real. So it, it just keeps this thing rolling. It is, it isn't, it is, it, it isn't. That's true. It sells more papers, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's, a valid, that's a valid excuse. But I also wonder if there's a... So one of my favourite authors, Terry Pratchett, um, and and he put a thing in one of his books where he said that what people look for is not news they don't want to know something new they want to know that the world is exactly like they thought it was absolutely they, they want, want affirmations old. they want they affirmation want news. yeah yeah so a newspaper or, or or journalist saying the world is not what you thought it was would go down like a a, a bombshell so, so yeah, I mean, people want affirmation, but it is just the nature that we, the nature by which we process information. If, if someone tells you something which sounds very believable because it, it kind of fits in with all sorts of things you already know, then you're far more likely to believe it than if someone tells you something extraordinary or something you don't want to hear 
or something that proves yes. you wrong about something else, you've, something you've previously said or done. Shows you, yeah, absolutely. And people will, you know, they will actually not process that information at all. They will just not. Mm. It will be as if you've never told them. They won't have yes. heard it. Yes, that's very, very, very true. Um, and of course, there's this whole thing, you know, um, seeing is believing. And if you know, if you say that the things happen, but there's no hard evidence it's mm. like well oh yeah but they're probably making it up yeah you know, um which again in ufology terms that's one of the you know one of the biggest arguments is well you know there's supposed to be all these ufos there's supposed to be all this how come nobody you know captures decent footage of them how come you know especially we've all got these days the camera phones and, and yeah. that. you know how come nobody ever captures it well, that segues really nicely into tonight's, mm -hmm. um, where they did. Uh, in fact, uh, particularly in the 2007 occurrence in Phoenix. Well, according to my reference, lights. yeah, and with the first event in 1997, of course, I suppose everyone was called, the, it's called the Prescott-Dewey lights, because that was the trajectory of, of the lights. Um, the television mm. KSAZ reported that someone named Richard Curtis had recorded a detailed video that purportedly showed the outline of a spacecraft, but that the video had been lost. Yes, then they lost it, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is either very unfortunate mm. or was the government involved. Yes, and then, of course, they have got another video which is of poor quality and just shows a group of lights, but you can't see any visible craft joining those lights together. Mm. Indeed. Now, I mean, there's a lot more footage um, 10 years later in 2007. Um, I would say none of it is brilliant footage. Mm. Um, but yeah, coming back to the 1997, now that was an interesting one because you've got essentially two... I, I see them in my head as two separate occurrences that may be linked. Mm. Um, you've got the sighting of the five lights, first of all, uh, around seven o'clock hmm. uh, local time and then three hours later although those lights are seen on and off sporadically throughout that region then hmm. then three hours later you've got these nine lights suddenly um and of course there's 700 witnesses of that 700 well 700 hmm. people came forward and said i've seen this and it's yes. bizarre and it's strange hmm. and you know this is you know, people independently of each other reported seeing some sort of V-shape or arrowhead-shaped yes, vehicle. And, of course, the, the news media um, further obfuscated the whole thing because, as I say, there were these two separate events, the five lights travelling in a, a V formation, mm -hmm. um, which some people said they could actually see the outline of a, a V-shaped craft that was about a mile wide. Um, and then a few hours later, there was this string of falling lights. Uh, well, of course, the, the news, the news story, the news media being lazy, they would be describing one whilst showing footage of the other. So a lot <laughs> of a lot of people who saw who'd seen it for real would would, would look at it on television and say, "No, that's not what I saw. Mm, I saw something absolutely. else." Yeah. So it, it further, you know, 
muddied the waters around the story. But is that deliberate? Um, to discredit those who did come forward. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, I mean, I think the tendency, again, with a you know, tabloid newspapers or tabloid television, um, they want to get these people on to laugh at them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, it's a fr- they, yeah, they, they, they are the, yeah, in in early twentieth century terms, they would have been the travelling freak show. Step mm. right up and see the the nutter. Oh yeah, and they would go out of their way to find the, um, and I'll be fairly generous in saying this, the quirkiest people they can find. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but out of those seven hundred witnesses, you you've got some incredibly credible witnesses, um, and one in particular, kind of always makes me like so. You've got a bizarre chain of events that happened mm. afterwards, um, where it was a, f- a few days after the governor of Phoenix, um, Fife Symington III, mm. <laughs> which is a great name. Um, he holds a press conference and says we've found the culprit who's behind all this and they wheel out this guy in a, in a massive alien costume and of course oh. he takes the mask off and what have you and you know it's all ho oh, isn't it a yes. big joke so, so he's part of this look at this isn't it all a big joke mm. but ten years later I mean interestingly enough not um, about a month after the lights are seen again he actually comes forward and says well Actually, back in 97, I did see it myself. Mm. I can tell you it was some otherworldly type craft. And this is a guy who's an ex-Air Force pilot. And he knows what aircraft's supposed to look like Mm. and what they can do. And and he's saying, I've no idea what I saw. And it was, you know, it was incomprehensible. I mean, I know... You can't get much more credible than that, surely. No, I mean, one of the... um, I think it was the... The, the trail, the, the second set of lights, the, which um, a US Air Force spokesperson said they were flares being dropped from an A-10 Warthog aircraft. Just yes. um, yeah, the kind of flares that military aircraft drop to deflect heat-seeking mm. missiles. Um, but you would have thought people living in that region near an airbase, the, the Barry Goldwater airbase, would be used to that kind of thing. They would be used to seeing things in the sky. Um, there was, with with the first set of lights, the the V formation. Um, there was a chap called um, Mitch Stanley, who had a ten-inch Dobsonian telescope, which gave him a sixty times magnification, and he looked up at the um, at the V as it flew over, and saw that it was a formation of aeroplanes, and that each light was actually two lights really but because they were so far away that all you were seeing was was one glow um but of course people looking up into the sky at night they can't really judge how far away things are so there are all sorts of um contradictory accounts as to how how far this so something something traveling very fast at high altitude could be mistaken for something traveling slowly at low altitude because of it's okay, but and and I, I'm I'm familiar with Mitch's um, statements on this, mm. but 
the Air Force base themselves reported very publicly that there were no aircraft flying at that time in that vicinity. Hmm. Um, they made that absolutely clear. In addition to that, nothing appeared on radar. Yeah, that's that's that is accounted for. Um, there, there was no nothing. Well, they say there was nothing spotted on radar, but according to this account here, um, which I can't actually find at the moment, but uh, essentially, um, the people who rung the radar said well no one asked for the radar because they obviously they, it's recorded they said well no one asked for it and they they delete it after 11 days or something so they said well yeah the, the, there is no radar record of it because no one asked okay i'm going to call shenanigans on that because you've got 700 witnesses coming forward reporting things and they would have reported them to the airbase mm. um yeah you know, i mean some of the some of them reported them to their local ufo groups mm. um some of them reported them to the papers the papers would have rung the airbase no doubt yeah but 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 they didn't think to check ray the radar reports yeah, it says um, none of the UFO investigators bothered to ask for tapes from the FAA in Albuquerque, whose officials at the time um, told this guy, uh, Tony Ortega, they only kept tapes for 11 days. So we'll never know what the radar picture looked like that night. Never mind the journalists. What I'm saying is the Air Force themselves, hmm. on hearing this, didn't bother to check their radar records. That's what I'm struggling to, to buy into. Maybe they did, and maybe they just dismissed it. They said, oh, yeah, that's, that's, um, we didn't tell the public about that. I mean, I'm sure there are all sorts of um, things the Air Force do that they don't necessarily want to tell Absolutely. the public about. Absolutely. And I find that far more easy to believe than just nobody bothered checking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm damn certain somebody somewhere will have checked the radar. Oh, but yeah. The fact I mean, that it's not been... The the yeah, Air Force yeah. the Air Force was done, but apparently you know, the FAA in Albuquerque said no one no one asked us for it. Yeah, I'm mm, okay. <laughs> we'll we'll hold that one um, yeah. to one side. But but then you've got so the Air Force have said there were no planes flying. Mm. Then later on they say, oh yeah, we dropped flares from a plane. What that wasn't flying. Yeah. So they've contradicted themselves straight away. Uh, unless their account is garbled. I mean, it's quite possible if you've got high-flying planes that they, they weren't from a local base. Okay. They were trying um, to say it could be because they will know we didn't launch any planes from our base at that time. Um, later on, we put one up. Okay. And I'm, that's the I'm one that dropped the flares, right. but... That's a, that's a good theory, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call on your experience as a military um, information right. expert here. Mm. Um, if you've got, um, I mean, let's say more local to us. Let's say uh, you've got the RAF in Oxfordshire mm. are going to do a flyby across the city of London. Are you saying that nobody is going to tell? the people watching the skies in London, the RAF in, covering London, 
that they're going to be doing that? Um, yes, they would. But if, if as the planes flew over, your nearest RAF base was, I don't know, what's, what's another RAF base? So say they were flying southwest and um, okay. you, you saw them near Bryce Norton. So you got in touch with RAF Bryce Norton and said, um, are those planes yours? And they'd say, well, no, we haven't put any planes up tonight. Okay, but Bryce Norton would know of other planes going through their airspace. Yeah, which would be military and civilian. They, they'd know that, but they would probably answer the, the specific question, no, we haven't got any planes up tonight. Ah, well, that's that's the key thing there. Um, the Phoenix Air Force were asked, are there any planes that you're aware of? Mm. Not have you got planes up, but are there any planes that you're aware of? Okay. Which is a, which is a more specific. Mm. And they said, no, there, there are no planes flying in the area tonight. But then later on, when the flares were seen, they said, oh, yeah, that's one of ours. Yeah. One of our, one yeah. of our but one of these... planes that isn't flying that dropped those flares. Exactly. Now, again, as a... as a What, what, what was your, your uh, intelligence? Army intelligence, yeah. Army, in Army intelligence. So I know, I know it's Army, mm. not Air Force, but um, you must be at least have a work a, a reasonable knowledge of flares. Or um, well, seen flares or... we, we, we worked joint services. So it was Army, Air Force and Navy all working together. Um, and we would all Fantastic. cover we would cover all kinds of um, in what we were monitoring. We wouldn't just monitor those three main services. We would also be monitoring border guards, police, paramilitary groups, um, guerrilla guerrilla groups. Um, yeah, we were, we were looking at the Middle East. So um, there, there was we, you couldn't you couldn't restrict yourself to one. To no, one service that's, arm. That's fair yeah. enough. Um, so yes, we now, did know, deal with aircraft. Okay, so I know I know these lights moved in the general wind direction of of the, that was happening at the time. Mm. Um, but in your experience, is it reasonable that flares dropped from an aeroplane would a last in excess of three hours? And B, fly information for over 300 miles. No. I mean, you're, <laughs> no. you're, you're, talk, you're talking about the V-shape. Yes. Yeah, no, that, yes. that wouldn't be attributed to flares. And that's what seems to have caused the confusion because they were talking about these things that look like flares. And people who were watching that who'd seen the V-shape thing flying over were saying, well, no, that's not what I saw. That, that looks like flares. Yeah. So, they, the story is kind of discredited through poor reporting, um, but flares drop from an aircraft. Um, I mean, if the aircraft's flying at four hundred miles an hour, those flares are initially going to be flying at four hundred miles an hour, and, and then gradually, yeah. well, are very quickly decelerating and, as they fall. And if they're dropped in sequence at a you know a, a, at a specific gap between each one, yes, they would appear in a straight line. Mm. But but I don't. I mean, I'm I'm trying to work this out as a as a total layman to these mm. things. I can't picture them in a V formation. They there would never be in a V formation. They would be in a straight line, like the second set of lights that were seen falling towards the Australia mountains. Yeah. So, so they would be. I mean, if you if you've seen a military aircraft drop flares, basically it's their first 
their their first action, if certainly if they think um, they're being tracked, or if, if a missile is on its way to them, uh, a heat-seeking missile, mm. they want to they want to put something else in the air that's hot and moving away from them, so that the, in the hope that um, as the missile gets nearer, obviously it'll it'll come to the flares first because the flares are being left behind by the aircraft and it will go after them. That, that's, the, that's the general idea of it. So what they'll do, they'll fire yeah. a sudden burst. It just sort of goes pop, 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 pop and, and half a dozen flares are, are, are launched in very fast succession um, to generate mm. a bigger heat signature than the plane itself. That's, that's a, yeah. uh, it, um, you see footage of um, transport aircraft taking off from Afghanistan from, from Kandahar Air Base, and you see, as they take off, they're just automatically distributing dozens of flares in case there's someone <laughs> hiding in the bushes with a with a, a shoulder launch wow. service to air missile. Wow! Yeah, crikey, gosh, it's a different world. Mm. It really, really is. Because in that um, in that instance, obviously, they've got to guard against not a missile that'll be coming from a long way off that they can track and do something about, but something that'll be fired at very, very close range. Yes. Now, so I th I think it's perfectly reasonable to discount flares. I mean, they did also, um, the Air Force, just after the 2007 one, they mm. gave a demonstration and they had a plane go up and release these flares. Well, they mm. ended up in this really messy circle. They were each moving in their own, mm. you know, it was like a Brownian motion more than yeah. in formation. Um it was nothing like, and the lights were a different kind of light as well. Um, I think you said mm. right, right early on though, these these residents, these witnesses, they live closer in it. You know, if they were doing those sorts of things, they'd know what they looked like, mm. and it'd be easy to dismiss them. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I remain unconvinced that it was uh, that it was flares. Well, uh, yeah, as you say, these people should be used to that kind of thing, and I think there's an awful lot. That's been caused by the conf by the confusing these two separate events, showing footage of mm. one while while describing the other, um, which led people to say, "Well, no, that's not what I saw. What's going on here? There's, there must be a conspiracy." <coughs> mm. Yeah. So, so, so the only legitimate. Uh, explanation that's been given and, and mm. interesting they used the same reason for 2007 they said it's flares again mm. as exactly the same reason um, as that's the only credible reason that's been given mm. um, when you've been looking through this uh, and, and researching this case have you come up with any other theories yourself um as, as regards the V formation, um, I, I know that you can get odd effects in the sky, atmospherics, clouds that you can't necessarily see at night. Um, I mean, a, a good example, I think, of things being weirdly distorted at night. I remember one day coming home, and it was winter time, so it was dark, and as I turned into my street, suddenly there at the end of the street was the moon much much closer than um i was used to seeing it, it looked huge and mm. my first thought was that's it it's all over we're gonna die <laughs> and, and then i just remember something that i'd i just happened to hear on the radio that morning about some weird effect of atmospherics well i mean the moon was actually going to be 
um, it was going to come closer to the Earth than it usually does. But there would be some effect in the atmosphere that would double that effect effectively. Mm. Um, and I, I just remembered that I'd heard that, that this is what's... Uh, <laughs> luckily, so I didn't... That stopped you from ripping off all your clothes and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> running really amok. Running amok yeah, with a few hours I had left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, you can get these odd effects. And, and a lot of different directions that people are seeing this from. Mm. You're looking at different locations. It appears to have travelled. Um, I mean, that doesn't sound like any optical effect I can think of. Um, well, the V travelled, but what I'm talking about is the way some people, some people claim they could actually see the shape of a craft. And those lights mm -hmm. looked like running lights around around the edge of the craft, whereas other people said that yeah. they just saw lights. But I, I can imagine some effect of some combination of something in the atmosphere, the heat from the engines, perhaps some um, vapor from the the jet engines, could have given the appearance, could have obscured clouds, obscured stars as it passed over, and given the effect of a solid object. There was. Yeah, I've, I've, I get what you're saying, and I've never entirely bought into the whole "it's a single craft" hmm. theory. Um, I mean, there's the the witness testimony of uh, Mitch Stanley. Hmm. Uh, no, not Mitch Stanley. Sorry, uh, we mentioned Mitch Stanley, who thought there were planes. Um, Bill Griner. Mm. who was a truck driver who saw it and, and there's a brilliant quote from him which we'll come to in a moment but he saw uh, some of these lights shooting off independently yeah he said he'd seen that they'd scrambled jets to follow this thing and there are other reports about that which or alleged reports about mm. that it's it never been corroborated but, um, um, but yeah he, he claims he saw jets sort of going after this thing and he saw lights breaking off and almost playing with the planes before mm. shooting directly upwards so that implies that you're talking about individual crafts within each light um, yeah I find that I find that easier to believe than it's a single craft for some mm. some reason I don't know just in my head um, but he did one of the best quotes ever um, he he said that before this, if anyone had told him they'd seen a UFO, he would have said, yeah, and I believe in the tooth fairy. Hmm. And that's the response you get from a lot of people. You know, it's like, oh, what a load of nonsense that yeah. is. And automatically dismiss it. Um, he says, now, though, he's got a whole new view. And in his words, not mine, he may just be a dumb truck driver, but he's seen something that doesn't belong here. Hmm. But I, I think, and, and he likened it um, to seeing, uh, like you know, fifty thousand people watching a football game, and then the government saying, "No, that never happened." Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a great analogy because hmm. <laughs> it is, in terms of uh, theorizing for a moment that the government is aware and covering these things up, seven hundred people. 700 witnesses how do you keep something like that quiet well i mean didn't stalin used to do things like that that he would 
there would be some kind of event and then he would decide he didn't like it so he would just say well this never happened and um and no one would be allowed to talk about it on pain of death and eventually people start actually believing no it never happened you know just the power of suggestion but it shows i think it also shows you know as as creatures we 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 there is a, a, a mystical side to us but we you know, hundreds of years ago, people believed in witches and fairies and werewolves and, and, and well, still do in some cases. We've, we've updated that to extraterrestrial beings because they are more, they are more plausible to us. But even so, you could just be talking about the same creatures that are travelling through dimensions rather than through space. That they've come out of another dimension just as a fairy would have done or a, a, a werewolf. Uh, or, or you know, some some magical creature. They they are our new. They are the magical creatures of the of the modern age, of the jet age, the space age. Um, and I think aliens yeah, at the bottom of the garden. Yeah, and absolutely. And we we try and be rational because we live in a scientific age as well. We we try to apply reason to things and you know not believe in not believe in ghosts, not believe in this sort of thing. But I think it's a kind of veneer of of rationality that we kind of layer over our instinctive belief to believe these things. I will say, well, no, I don't believe in ghosts. But if I watch a horror film, you know, it will it will make my hair stand on end because yeah, you realise, yeah, your your disbelief is if if I just knew it was yeah nothing, if if I, if I absolutely didn't believe it, it wouldn't have that effect. But I obviously believe it enough. I don't, well, everyone believes it enough to be thrilled by a horror film. Mm. To, that some supernatural entity is coming after you. You for the for the duration of that film, you can believe it, and maybe for longer. The, that night, you're frightened to go to the toilet because, yeah, you know, that that is still playing on your mind. So I think, I think there is that there that um, if you if you tried to be a rational, sceptical, a, a disbeliever, it's all bollocks, that sort of thing. But then suddenly you see something that you can't offer an explanation for. That looks like one of these things you previously dismissed as being a load of bollocks. Yeah, it will. If nothing else, it will make you more aware of your more self-aware, more aware that you you don't know everything. Here's something that yeah. you can't explain. You're, you're uh, saying I don't know everything. How very dare you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mean you personally, obviously, but you know. Oh, thank you. In, thank in the you, in right. the case in in the case of this guy, a, a truck driver, it would have been a threat to his manhood. You know, he, mm. he he's he living he's living in a, a macho world of of American truck drivers. Yeah, of course you don't. Um, of course you don't believe in in that sort of stuff because you'll be laughed at. You'll be bullied. You know, no, no woman will want you. You know, you next thing. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing that they will be, uh, they'll be casting it. Well, they'll they'll be doubting your sexual orientation and and subjecting you to homophobic bullying. You know that 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 sort of thing. Well, that's a, I mean, not so much the homophobia side, but the um, the the concept of people being bullied and ridiculed um, mm. because of they they have come forward and they have said. I have seen something. I don't know what it was. I know what it wasn't. Mm. You know, it wasn't man-made it wasn't earthly um and they've come forward and said this and met with incredible derision and and yeah absolutely mm. 
bullying. Well, there was a there was an interesting case uh, connected with the Phoenix Lights about about bullying, um, with Francis uh, Burwood, a uh, Barwood, sorry, uh, yeah. Barwood, who was a, a councilwoman uh, at the time in Arizona, and. Uh, when newspapers were contacting her saying, oh, can you comment on this? Have you got anything to say? Um, you know, what's happening? Are the, you know, the, the local council, are they investigating it? And she went into a council meeting and she, she, she genuinely asked the question, so this happened, are we investigating it? And she was instantly sort of glared at from around the room. Hmm. And nobody said anything. Nobody responded to her. It was only afterwards another um, councilman came up to her and said, you should not have asked that question at all. And from there, she's subject to um, a barrage of, of abuse. Um, there's um, spoof, like cartoons of her, like, oh, I, I love UFOs, plastered all over her, being printed in the papers. Um there's they, they they got some cards business cards printed with her name and her details on them mm. at the bottom that they start handing out to people generally to people and at the bottom it said speak into the tin foil that's the best way i can hear you yeah i mean which know, which what, suggests asking if they were going to do an investigation which, which suggests that she touched a raw nerve somewhere that uh, doesn't it though? Someone wanted to shut her down straight away. It wasn't enough to just say, "Well, no, we're not. Um, we don't think Absolutely. there's enough." They, they really have to. Yeah, let's nip this in the bud and make it clear that um, this is not to be discussed. I, I think we've probably all had the experience of when we were probably at junior school, and um, you you've still got these sort of childish you know, fairy tales in your head and whatever, and you tell a tale. But uh, other children who are maybe a little bit older than you or have a, a, a bit more mature than you and you get absolutely ridiculed because you tell them about the gingerbread man, you know, your mum, when your mum opened the oven, the gingerbread man ran away or whatever, and you get an absolute piss ripped out of you. I think we've all had that sort of experience. Or older brothers, mm. you know, who just suddenly decide, well, no, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't believe in this anymore. My dad's told me it's not real, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to laugh at you for believing in Father Christmas. Um, I think there's 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 an element of that that there there is that inbuilt fear of um, of of telling a tale that seems a bit well. But I, th I think these days, here we are in 2020. I think there's a lot more credulity around. Uh, back in the 1990s, David Icke, for instance, was mm -hmm. a figure of fun. He was roundly ridiculed. Now he's got a following. People believe his stuff. Well, I mean, he had a following back then, of course. Um, but yeah, it was, like you say, roundly ridiculed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm yeah. I, I must admit, I'm I'm one of those people that kind of ridicules his his more outlandish theories. Mm. Um, but still, um, I mean, say ridicule, I wouldn't go to the point of bullying or anything like that. I mean, mm. I'm a decrier rather than a, a ridiculer, mm. um, definitely. 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. But it, it's built into us on a genetic level. It's the caveman in us. You know, there mm. is strength in the community. So mm. therefore, it's really important to be part of that community and to say something that might get us ostracised. No, there, there is an inherent genetic fear of doing that. Yeah, we're social animals, um, so we don't want to step out of line. Absolutely, absolutely, because that way, you know, we'll get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have we have social rules which which can be very very complicated, and there are certain Indeed. areas you just don't want to get into. Certain things we just don't know how they'll be received and you don't want to start talking about these things i suppose the the danger with conspiracies is and even um if you're accepting the existence of ufos it suddenly puts you into bed with the kinds of people whose whole life is about conspiracies and you know, the world is run by an elite cabal um i was very shocked to discover that a, a former colleague of mine believes all this that um you know the riots in america are being orchestrated by by um this this elite cabal who want to blame Donald Trump for everything because he's he's a, he's a good president and um, yeah that, you, you suddenly find something better with them because it's not with them it's not just a conspiracy but you're kind of joining our club by believing this conspiracy and you have to believe it you can't question it it becomes a new orthodoxy for that for that um, you know if you if you want if you want to join the far right then you've got to believe in things like the Great Replacement theory and uh, and you know and and right. yeah mm. so it's it's yeah that, that's it, it's always the danger when you're when you're i think when you're skirting this kind of thing it, yeah if you're being skeptical mm. and you're honestly investigating and looking to looking into what this kind of be this this could be or certainly if someone offers a rationalization for something which doesn't hold up that's very suspicious that is going to start prompting conspiracy theories i think i think it's important when that does happen and it you know if someone offers a rationalization for me yeah. then i'm open to it i, I want to listen to it i want to mm. i want to hear it because ultimately i like to say i'm a person out there looking for answers yeah now my my across the course of my life my search for answers has only led to more questions mm. so far but if someone came up tomorrow and said, we have solved the crop circle riddle, here's how it's happening, here's how it's, you know, and, and provides the evidence and the proof behind what they're saying, I'm open to that. Um, I know there are some who will only be open to an answer if it's what they want it to be. Yes. But I like to think I'm, I'm not one of those people. Um, but at the same time, I don't automatically jump onto the, the first thing that comes up either. The first mm. so-called rational explanation. Because mm. um, I'm, not, I'm not desperate for everything to be explained. I want it to be. Yeah, and, and a, rational, a rational explanation might not necessarily get everything right or might not be able to explain all of it. Mm. There are some... Un we, we know that there are, there are unknowns. And I think, you know, as a, I think as a basic premise... Most people accept that we are not at the centre of the universe, that um, the sun, we, ro we revolve around the sun and rotate around the sun and not the other way around. Um, <laughs> the heavens are actually you know, distant galaxies, millions of light years away. Um, they're, they're not just little fairy lights in the sky, as, as 
prematurely. We know we know that Earth isn't flat. It's in fact it's a fallacy that even ancient people believed the Earth was flat. They they knew from basic geometry that if you stood up on something yes. high, you could see further. And they, <laughs> that's because you can see further <laughs> yeah. over the curve by being higher up. They 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 knew that. That's why that's why ships had crow's nests. Well, Pythagoras uh, was one of the first people to calculate the size of the globe. Mm. Um, he did it using rods in in the sand and calculation of the arrows and the measurement of the uh, sorry arrows um, shadows mm. um, and working it out from from that. Yeah, and yeah, he was able to work out we go around the sun. It's not the sun going around us that. Um, and he was he was able, with some accuracy. It's got to be said. Mm. the size of the planet and that's yeah. Pythagoras <laughs> yes so and we know that all those billions of stars out there are all potentially solar systems with all potentially mm. at least one planet that's that's similar to ours that's a, the right kind of distance the right kind of temperature the right kind of composition to support life um I, th I think it's it's arrogant to assume that we are the we are the most sentient, uh, most advanced beings in the entire universe. So, well, there's there are different levels to that though. There's there's life. Mm. There's intelligent life. Yeah. There's sentient life. There's life in the form that we understand it. Mm. Um, and above all that, there is life that is so technologically advanced they can traverse the vast distances that we're talking about mm. and yes the chances of there being other life in the universe is it's um a, a statistical um certainty yeah that there is other life but other life can be bacteria and in um, a lot of cases it will be moss a lot of <laughs> a lot of cases it will be but it's to assume that we are the most advanced species in in the universe that we are the only we are the only species who have managed to get beyond the orbit of our own planet in a, in a craft that that's you know that i think that's that's quite an assumption to make and, and, and obviously oh, based totally. on nothing absolutely yeah. and when you consider that in the lifespan of the universe We've been here for a blink of an eye. Mm. We are absolutely right at the at the beginning of our existence. There will be you you you've, you've got to accept that there'll be civilizations out there that are billions of years old, mm. assuming they've survived that long. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Where are they technologically? Mm. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, coming back to the Phoenix Lights then. Uh, so, the 2008, We, I, th I think it's fair. Um, unless you really want to disagree and argue the case that, no, it was definitely UFOs. I think mm. we can pretty much strike that one as, yeah, that was... That was just one guy thing. with helium balloons and road flares. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't um, know how I don't know how long a road flare burns for, but you see them on you see them on TV where there's been an accident in the states and they chuck a flare down the road. They seem to they seem to burn for quite a long time. They do. Um, Maybe not hours, no, but 
I'm going to suddenly poke a hole on this. They burn hot. Yeah, they do. Now, burn. I know helium's not flammable, but latex melts really easily. I, I assume that it's on a fairly long string from the bottom of the balloon to, to where the flare oh, is. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. actually be strapped yeah, to the enough. side was, of the... Yeah. I was <laughs> picturing the sort of gaffer tape to the yeah. side. Oh, basically, yeah. got a, you know, okay. a 20 yes. a foot line between the <laughs> between the helium balloon and the, and the, and the flare. But yeah, they burn hot. Okay, That's the yeah, whole point. I'll, of, I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah, I, I mean, the whole point of aircraft flares is they're hot, not that they're they're light. Yes. Um, so yeah, so two thousand and eight, two thousand and seven. There is so much photographic evidence out there; it's it's unreal. Mm. Um, and it seems to be a duplication of what happened in nineteen ninety seven. Interestingly enough, seven years before that, uh, in nineteen ninety. There was a very, very similar occurrence in Belgium. Right. That nobody ever talks about. Except we do. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of, it's not an isolated event. Um, it's, I think we can rule out flares. Mm. Are you leaning towards otherworldly? Um... He's saying rule, rule out flares. I'm ruling um, out flares, yeah. Well, there, there, were, there were two things. Well, there, there were, certainly the V-shaped thing wasn't flares, but that could have been aircraft flying in formation. But the, the second part of it could have been, I think, flares being dropped from a, from a fighter aircraft. Um, it said, um, according to this report, a string of lights appeared in the sky and slowly sank until they disappeared behind the nearby Estrella mountain range. This was later shown to be a string of flares dropped by the Maryland Air National Guard over the North Tack military range. Um, but they remained in a perfectly straight, well, in a V formation. And as we said, flares don't. Drop no, in a V formation. But th this is where the confusion is because there was the first there was the V V formation flying overhead, and yeah. then there was then there was the the string of flares being dropped a couple of hours later, and the way it was reported, they got they conflated the two and showed one while talking about the other, which led to people saying, "Well, that's not what I saw, or that's not what it looked like. There must be some conspiracy." So I'm I'm thinking, yeah, some some aircraft, and. Uh, and, and then some flares. There was something about um, something about the quality of the light as well. Uh, who... Yes, they've done analysis of it, and, it, and the lighting didn't glow. It, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't aircraft lighting, which you know is, is designed to, to glow and be as visible as but possible. Yeah, running much sharper. Uh, lasers were ruled out. Um, there, there was. This number of things, basically any sort of man-made type mm. of light was was effectively ruled out uh, in analysis, um, and certainly flares is, is one of the flares do glow massively. They're famous for it because they're supposed to. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so I know what you're talking about. That no, the the V formation was seen. Early on at seven with mm. five lights, but it was also seen later at ten. But th by this time, it had nine lights in it. But it was still the V formation. 
Um, my theory, and I'm going to put this here, these, these, these lights have been travelling for about three hours by this point. You're yes. the Air Force, you're like, you're panicking, oh, shit, what do we do? You know, everybody's mm. seeing this, we can't afford this, um, we've got to come up with something really quick. I know, let's tell everybody it's flares, nobody's going to believe that. Yeah, but if we drop some flares, we can point at that and say that's what it was. And I there's that, yeah. There, there's that, and then and then when they when they're talking about the event that everyone's seen, they show the flares dropping. Of which, course, which of course confuses everyone. So people are saying, "Well, no, no that's not what I saw." I mean, uh, one uh, analyst of this has has put that down to lazy reporting, that uh, the the reporters couldn't even be bothered to get their facts straight. I th no, I think it, it's it's more uh, disinformation, and the, mm. and yeah, I'm. I can accept that they dropped flares deliberately so they could say, yeah, we dropped some flares. Yeah, after having said we've got no aircraft flying tonight. But that would... Well, and, and then later well, they say, well, actually, we need to get one up to drop some flares to, to explain away. Th so they, they've been that caught. That conversation, though, about dropping the flares, that would have happened at a very senior level with a very few amount of people. It would have been basically a secret operation to drop the flares in the first place and if other parts of the air force weren't made aware of it mm. they're the ones who could have said well no look i'm looking at the records there's no aircraft in the area yeah and then later they said oh yeah oh no it was flares even even the pilot wouldn't necessarily have to be in on it i mean that kind of thing could be automatic if they send a plane up and then track it with a with a, a radar beam that doesn't have the the right signature in it that identifies it as friendly radar. Um, the mm. plane will automatically respond because pilots are too busy flying the plane or whatever. It will automatically do things like fire the flares. Um, right. Okay. There, there was like a, a drone. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, planes do a lot of things automatically. There's a pilot there, obviously, to keep a handle on things. There was a a story about uh, a couple of cops running. Um, a speed trap up in Berwickshire. This is something that went around on email 20 or 30 years ago. And um, they were there with their radar gun. And they were just a fairly quiet road and they were playing with it and whatever. Um, and one of the cops suddenly, attract, uh, suddenly tracked um, a vehicle approaching at about 2,000 miles per hour, or certainly you know, over, over 1,000 miles an hour. I thought, well, what's wrong? And then, and then the, gun <laughs> just, the gun just jammed. So they said, oh, it must be sort of dicky. And, and so they, they, they took it back to the base and said, oh, there's something wrong, wrong with our radar gun back, yeah, back at the police station. And then a bit later, they were called in by their boss who said to them, um, you're lucky to be alive because what you, I don't, I don't know what you're doing with that radar gun. You're playing with it. But what you, basically what you did is you shot out a radar beam out over the North Sea where uh, um, I think it was a Dutch RAF or a, a a fighter bomber was conducting low-level exercises. The plane detected that it was being tracked by a hostile stroke unknown radar system and automatically oh, armed a sidewinder missile ready to send it straight to the source of the radar. And of course the pilot noticed this happening, so he switched it. He knew it was only on an exercise, so he switched it off. Mm. But that's what your know, planes yeah. are. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a multi-million pound piece of kit. It's it, it has certain capabilities yeah. to defend itself without the uh, intervention of the pilot. Okay, so. well, 
to wrap this up then uh, with the Phoenix lights, my vote mm. is that there was definitely something otherworldly, at least that triggered a reaction from the Air Force. Mm. Um, but I definitely think there was something otherworldly. What What's your your take on that? Your summary? Um, not sure it's otherworldly, but something happened. Um, I mean, the Air Force can be a, a secretive organisation. It's not beyond them to put up planes and, and, and then deny it or carry out operations and, and then deny them and then try and cover them up and for news reporters to get the story mixed up. I mean, I think any of us who have ever been involved in anything that's been on the news have thought, well, no, actually, that's not quite how it happened. Indeed. So there you go. The jury remains out on the Phoenix lights. Uh, so that's it from me, Stu Jackson. And from me, Neil Kelly. And join us next time when we will be discussing the infamous Bob Lazar. See you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit AliensExplored.com.